Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 40 called, I Lay My Hand on My Mouth. Maybe this will help you. Maybe this will give you a moment of... uh, kind of a chuckle or two. The next is the ostrich. The sixth cameo is the ostrich, a strange-looking bird indeed. Some things about this life are just strange, aren't they? Paradoxical, if you will. Hard to figure out. Look at verse 13, Job 39. The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love. The SV has it as a question. But they are pinions and plumage. Are they plumage? Pinions and plumage of love, easy for me to say. Has it as a question. Uh, the New King James compares it to the stork. For she abandons her eggs to the earth, 14, and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or the wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, probably when she looks for food for them, she is unconcerned. Because God has, perhaps you could say she has a bit of a bird brain. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Now you say, why would she, the ostrich, strange looking bird, laugh at the horse and rider? Do you know that they've clocked an ostrich running at around 43.5 miles per hour, which is about as fast or faster than any race horse ever recorded? Isn't that interesting? This weird-looking bird can outrun a racehorse and outrun, uh, by extension, any predator chasing it. Odd bird, the ostrich. And yet, uh, it lays eggs about 20 times larger than a chicken's eggs. It has the largest eyes of any land animal. (laughs) Weird. it's, uh, It's got a long neck, enormous bird. Uh, largest feathered creature on the planet, uh, long necks, uh, it's small head, long necks, uh, skinny neck. It makes you, it does make you laugh. What's the point? What's the application of bringing the ostrich across the screen? I think this, there are many weird things in this world. Have you ever considered some of the insects of the world and why they're here? And some of the bushes and the the things that have, uh, you know, needles. Why and what and what's going on? There's some enigmas, some paradoxes, some strange things in the world. And even viruses, strange. I guess scientists may understand them. I don't really totally understand, but life is full of paradoxes. And there are creatures that are hard to understand, situations even more so. But one day we will find our answers fully in Christ when we know even as we are known. One day, says one writer, a man will walk the earth with extraordinary and surprising abilities to heal, to walk on water, to raise the dead. Abilities that no one uh, would have guessed when they looked at his very ordinary appearance, Isaiah 53, 2. And yet, who will end his life being treated as if he were an utter fool, says this writer. And yet, in this mysterious paradox, will lie the key to the universe. 
This is how life is sometimes. We're going to meet, meet now the seventh animal to come across the screen. The seventh cameo is the war horse. And one writer said, you got to picture J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and the horses and the dark riders and the Lord of the Rings to get this image as they paw at the grounding picture. Verses 19 through 25, read it with me. Do you give the horse his might? God asked Job. Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrible. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin 24. With shaking and rage, he races over the ground, and he does not stand still at the voice of the trumpet. As often as the trumpet sounds, he says, Aha! And he scents the battle. He smells it from afar. It says, And thunder of the captains and the war cry. When the horn sounds, when the war cry goes forth, he comes a-charging. Nahum 3, 3 says, Horsemen charging, swords flashing, spears gleaming. This is the picture of this fearless animal. And notice in verse 19, he is designed by God. God gave him his might. God gave him his mane. God gave him his power. God gave him his bravery. Don't you wish at times like this you were a little bit more like the war horse? Not afraid of anything. Not fearful of what might come. Uh, drives right into war and fear, laughing at the battle. He doesn't turn back. He's not afraid. I want to be like him. I want you to turn to Psalm 20. Remember, the Psalms are just the next book to your right. Let's read this together. Psalm 20. We're going to look at verses 5 through 9. This is something about the horse and the battle and what we really trust in. Psalm 20. This is a Psalm of David, and it says, verse 5. We will sing for joy over your victory. Psalm 20, verse 5. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, verse 9, O Lord, may the king answer us, the king of kings, in the day that we call. Let's pray when the answer comes that it will be unmistakably the glory of our God, that the world will give him glory. I want to share something from uh, Christopher Ashe's commentary on the book of Job. He says, here is the wild ox is a creature Here as the wild ox, here dangers and the destruction experienced by Job. Perhaps the Sabians and the Chaldeans had ridden upon such war horses when they devastated Job's life, chapter 1, verses 15 and 17. And yet this war horse has a master. There is one to whom it owes its strength, its nature, and its victories. And therefore, there is one to whom it must one day give an account and who is sovereign over all its warlike acts. Job cannot hope to overcome this ultimate weapon of war that's come against him. He must bow and entrust himself to the only one who can. The one who made the war horse, if you turn back to the book of Job. The one who made its power 
and its almost divine-like qualities, some might say, as it gallops along in power and majesty, God says, I made that horse, Job. I made that horse, and that horse doesn't guarantee the victory. I do. Trust in me. Trust in my power. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Well, the eighth and final cameo is two birds of prey. They're the hawk and the eagle back in Job 39. Look at verses 26 through 30. Is it by your understanding, as God continues to question Job, that the hawk, this may be the sparrow hawk or the falcon or kestrel, soars stretching his wings toward the south? He dwells and lodges upon the rocky crag, an inaccessible place. From there, he spies out food. He eyes His eyes see it from afar. His young ones, this may be a little gross, so hopefully you're not eating your popcorn right now, also suck up blood. And where the slain are, there is he. Lastly, the Lord points to two birds of prey. The hawk has a remarkable understanding that directs it to migrate south in the autumn and then spreading out its wings to return to Syria in the spring. God says, what can you really discern and understand, Job? Do you get it? Do you understand the command I give, verse 27, to the eagle when he mounts up? You know, the eagle has been a a symbol of many great uh, empires over the years, even in our own nation. And it says in Exodus 19.4, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God even uses the image. And here the main thought is the eagle spying its food from its impregnable fortress. It's made this nest so high up in the rock that nothing could ever get at it. But he has such keen eyesight and he's so fast and precise that he can see what he wants to get for food for his young ones in the nest. And he goes and he dives after it and he can eat it. Some of you have heard the story of the mother eagle who is teaching her young ones how to fly. I guess they stay in the nest uh, two to three months, eight to 12 weeks. And when they're being taught how to fly, they get dropped out in the nest and they're falling and flapping and they, they haven't learned how to fly. And just at the last second, she swoops in and rescues them and brings them back up and drops them again until they learn how to fly. Well, this is what God does in our life. And these are some kind of hard-to-take images, but God says, this is the world that I've made a provision for, this cursed and fallen world I still take care of. I heard a funny story about a man. It's maybe not so funny for the man, but he was uh, being chased by a bear. And uh, he was running from the bear, and it became obvious pretty quickly that he wasn't going to outrun the bear. And so the bear finally caught up to him, and he's trying to play dead, and He said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, make this bear a Christian. Make this bear a Christian. And the bear put his paws together and said, Lord, for what I'm about to receive, I'm truly grateful. (laughs) Oh, I need some glass right now. Anyway, well, that didn't work so well for him. But here's the major point. God has a design. And here, with amazing speed and accuracy, the eagle grabs the food, pounces, carries The little eaglets suck up the blood. Yuck. And this, verse 27, is by God's command. The prey taken by the eagle brought back to the young for their own sustenance is God's design and command. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance and the Walk in Truth team would like to invite you to our next 633 event, One Nation Under God, How America's Christian Heritage Shaped Our Country, with guest Lenny Esposito, president of Come Reason Ministries. At this free event, we will explore how Christianity played an essential role in shaping this country and how the current push toward a post-Christian culture will mean a fundamentally different America. One Nation Under God will be on July 11th at 6.33 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Or you can watch online on our YouTube channel. Learn more about 633's One Nation Under God when you visit walkintruth.com and click on events or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Well, that didn't work so well for him, but here's the major point. God has a design. And here, with amazing speed and accuracy, the eagle grabs the food, pounces, carries. Little, the little eaglets suck up the blood. Yuck. And this, verse 27, is by God's command. The prey taken by the eagle brought back to the young for their own sustenance is God's design and command. And keep in mind, these are just a few examples of the wild world, if you will, the world of wild animals to consider. And as we consider them, you might be saying, but what's the bigger point, Pastor Michael, in this book of Job? Well, this fallen, cursed world isn't always pretty. But God has made provisions for it all. His ultimate provision will come in the brutality of his own son. His son will go to a cross in the very history in which we are embedded. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 14, just as many were astonished, they were shocked, appalled, shattered at you, my people, so his appearance, Jesus Christ's appearance, prophesied 700 years before he would die on the cross, was so disfigured more than any man, his form more than the sons of man. When, the, here's the, the language, here's the Hebrew. When people looked at Jesus dying on the cross, they said, is that even a human dying for us? The most unjust suffering perpetrated ever on mankind. The most innocent sufferer of all. The greater Job, the one for whom the book of Job begins to blaze the trail, if you will, came. And man, he did so many beautiful things, so many powerful things. And yet they, you could say, we nailed him to the cross and they couldn't even recognize him as human. He was there naked in front of the world, dying for the world, forgiving the world, becoming the prey for the predator that God might bring us back to himself and redeem us. This is the deeper message of the book of Job. And now, 
Job and you and I must decide. Job will now have to decide if he will worship God in light of all he does not know or understand as evidenced just by the few examples given to, given to him by inanimate things like clouds and rain and lightning bolts and stars and the animate world, uh, namely here the world of wild animals, and just a few cameos. What do we look at? Eight? How much do you really know, my friend, about the universe? You know, and how much do you really care? You know what suffering sometimes does? I told you it reveals our worldliness. Sometimes, and I'm speaking to me, it reveals my self-centeredness. I was driving by a house today, and I won't give you all the details, but I'll just tell you there's a family going through a real tough, tough time. And I, I just found myself praying, oh, Lord God, would you, be, would you mercifully be with this family? Help me take my eyes off of myself and my worries and concerns. And would you intervene for this family that's going through this tough time? And I know many of you have been thinking that way, and it's been so refreshing. You've been calling the church office, and you've been saying, how can I help? How can I minister? And that's so wonderful and so awesome. And that's the transition we need to make from being so, you know, we have to be wise, of course, but, but being so self-absorbed to saying, oh, Lord, I, even my worship has been missing something as we, as we had in some of the content of our songs. Sometimes I can just go through the motions. I only want you, and I want to serve you, and I want to be a vessel fit for the master's use. Oh, God, help me. And you know what? I believe God will honor those kinds of prayers. Final uh, section here in Job, and this is only a preview. You could call these some transitionary transitionary verses, but here's where we're going to get uh, our title because I want, to, want you to see how Job responds. Then the Lord said to Job, chapter 40, verse 1, Verse 2, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Job had a lot to say earlier, but notice what he does now. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer, and even twice, I will add nothing more. The New Living Translation in verses 4 and 5 says, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And God just showed him hate wild animals and told him about things like, the earth and the sea and the stars and the rain. And Job's already like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I'm not saying anything more to people. And even when we're asking our questions is maybe a little bit more of this and a little bit more of our ears open. Oh, God, what are you saying? Oh, God, what do you want to do? If you've been far from the Lord, oh, God, bring, I, I want to come back. I'm coming back to you right now. I'm not going to wait another moment. 
I'm sorry that I had to wait for a time when the world's in crisis to get serious about my relationship, but you're so good that I know you'll accept me anyway because you're the God of the days of sunshine and the God of the days of the storm. Job is overwhelmed by God's majesty. The man who had so much to say now is keenly aware of his smallness before the grandeur of God, and he must be silent. He wondered early in the book and throughout the book about how God runs the universe and time and things and days of suffering and problems. But now he's saying, Lord, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to listen. You know, we have very real problems in today's world. Many of us are hurting, confused, and even afraid. But God is good, and he's with us. Don't be afraid. He will gladly give you the kingdom, little flock. I'm grateful for um, this wonderful congregation, and anyone who's joined us uh, tonight or will join us later as they watch this on on YouTube. I'm, I'm very grateful for your word, for the insights that you give us. Whatever's been from you tonight, let people hold on to it. Whatever's not valuable to them, let them quickly forget it. I pray that you be glorified in how we respond to this message. I pray that those who don't know you tonight or, or who are prodigals would run to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus Christ, pray it if it's you, save me from my sin. I repent and I put my trust in you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Save me and make me your child in Jesus' name. If you're a prodigal, just say, Father, I'm coming home to stay. And I want to be usable for you in the months, the weeks and months and years ahead. I want my life to belong to you, oh oh God. Father, thank you that in the days when we don't understand everything, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I pray your light would move into every life, every household represented tonight. May your Shekinah, may the glory, the beauty of who you are, the majesty of your brilliance, the glory of your countenance lift our heads and bring us joy and peace that comes from you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said. You've been listening to I Lay My Hand on My Mouth, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 40. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program or any previous parts of this program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just so you know, we have free apologetic events coming up, and we'd love it if you joined us. They're called 633, and that's based off of Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about these issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app. And having the app on your phone or tablet will help because you'll be the first to know the details about our upcoming events. If you live outside California, you can still be a part of our 633 events because we live stream them. And with the app, you can participate in the question and answer portion of the event. Learn more about 633 when you download the Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars or by visiting walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, Job was quiet before the Lord and 
you know, it's good sometimes just to be quiet before the Lord. Do you ever feel sometimes like, man, I, I've been doing all the talking. I pray, I go through my list. I have my ways of praying. Maybe just being quiet, meditating on an attribute of God, on a passage, on a, on a single verse. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 10. Maybe it's time just to get a little quietness. Maybe sometimes laying our hand over our mouth could be a good way just to meditate more on the Lord instead of the next syllable that I want to say to him. (laughs) Amen. There's a little bit of both in there, no doubt. Hey, we're going to get into uh, more in the book of Job as we deal with a message called repentance and restoration. That's tomorrow. We're going to be talking about what does true repentance look like and the restoration that Job goes through. And brethren, when you repent, when I repent, we can be restored as well. We can find years restored back to us that the locust is eaten. And we'll delve into that tomorrow, Lord willing, right here on Walk in Truth. I'm so glad you're listening. God bless you. Hey, if you need anything, call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Pacific time, 9 to 4. Pastors are here. They'd be happy to pray with you. That's 844-48-TRUTH. See you here tomorrow. God bless. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. So please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part one of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapter 40 called repentance and restoration. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.